Welcome to Reflections, a program where we discuss Christian values and virtues and Christian topics for the transformation of our society as a corporate entity and for the transformation of individuals. I have a guest today. My guest is Bishop Godfrey Honor of Unsuka Diocese. My Lord, you're welcome to our studio. Thank you very much. Uh, Bishop Honor, uh, we've been long in coming, is actually um, a very good friend of mine. We've known for a long time and we have shared uh, our concerns for our church. Uh, we have shared our commitment for the advancement of this church, but also discussed severally uh, the challenges that face uh, our young church. Uh, today, I'd like to discuss with you, my Lord, the current challenge of, um, I don't know whether to call it Pentecostalism, because, I mean, Pentecost is a wonderful uh, event, and we are all Pentecostal from point of view of being uh, led by the Spirit and our church arising from Pentecost Day. But then there is a new wave in the church of a, a lot of strange practices in our church, Catholic church, that have no foundation in our doctrines, that have no foundation in our liturgical norms, that if you take the Roman Missal, uh, a lot of practices today that priests are engaged in, that uh, lay people are engaged in, that you cannot justify from our official rituals in church. Um, and it is becoming quite widespread. And what is more troubling is that our people, I mean the generality of our lay people, they love these things. Uh, they go after prophets and, and seers and fortune tellers and soothsayers. And while these things were going on before in what we call uh, the evangelical churches, the Pentecostal churches, now they have come into the Catholic Church. There is an incursion into the Catholic Church of all these strange practices. Uh, uh, we heard recently of, uh, of priests uh, flying birds and, and deciding the will of God from which bird flies and which one does not fly. And... Um, I did. I don't know when the Catholic Church has begun to discern God's will with this soothsayer's method. And uh, incidentally, and more troubling is that our people seem to love this very much, uh, and they flock to anywhere where such um, healer priests and fortune-telling priests and um, soothsaying priests, wherever they are having crusades, and you see thousands and thousands of our people. Uh, and even when they know that their bishop has a problem with the method of this priest, they ignore their bishop and they follow this priest. My Lord, you spent many years in Rome uh, teaching at the Pontifical Urban University. You rose to the position of uh, vice rector in that university um, and professor of philosophy. I believe that um, you are in the right place to now a bishop, an authority in the church, successor of the apostles, to tell us uh, what you have to say about this, what I will call a new challenging reality in our young church in Nigeria. Thank you very much, Father. As you rightly put it, it's a challenge and it's a cause for concern. And we have shared our reflections on these issues in different occasions. I must say, first of all, that uh, 
Having been professor of philosophy anywhere in the world, not even, even in the Vatican, may not contribute as much to what I may say as availability to the directions of the Spirit. Because uh, the office we occupy we received from God. And if we are open to the Spirit, He directs us. Amen. But He directs us aright. And the directions follow certain pattern, the pattern of God's relationship with us that does not contradict itself. Especially the pattern that reached its culmination and the sending of His Son who became man, that we may have life and have it in full. And that is why the church teaches us that all we need to know about how to serve God and about who God is, we have received it fully in, in Christ. Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. Any other thing that does not correspond to that revelation in Christ and does not comment on it or does not make it easier for people to understand is not following the pattern that God wants for us. You are also right when you said we are a young church. In many parts of Nigeria, the church is only about a hundred years old or a few years above hundred. Yes. And if we look back into the history of the church, we imagine what Christianity was in some parts of the world like North Africa and some parts of Europe, 100 years after the resurrection. We will discover that what is happening to us is not entirely new. Okay. This was the time that churches in Europe and North Africa, or the church in Europe and North Africa, produced its first heretics. Mm -hmm. And people, why you had all the councils? People who would emphasize only one aspect of the doctrine to the detriment or even total denial of another yes. aspect. And the, you rightly pointed out now, we had councils. I think the challenge we face now calls for very sober and serious and prayerful reflection. The type the bishops had in councils in order to help our people to uh, let me say, distill the essential aspects of our doctrine within the context of our culture. The problem we are facing now is a cultural problem. Hmm. It is a cultural problem in two ways. One, because our basic worldview is not yet the worldview formed by the gospel. I see but the world few formed by the African traditional religion that is the context of our culture. Such a context of our culture that people even mistake this religion for our culture and think that the only thing in our culture is the traditional religion. Not realizing that in every culture, religion is just one aspect of, of the, the complex reality that of is culture. Culture. Cul mm -hmm. culture. Although religion plays a fundamental role in the formation of culture, I think I would regard religion as one of the main threads that weave various aspects of the culture, of the culture mm -hmm. into a tapestry. In our own context now, the religion 
that is determining how we behave for many people is still the traditional religion. It's not the Christian religion. It's not yet Christian religion. And I'll tell you why. We are second, third generation Christians. Or even first. There are parts Sometimes of the country, first, first generation, generation Christians. Christians. And some of the spirits and deities and, and gods of our ancestors are still very much alive in our thinking and in our fears and in our consciousness and even subconsciousness. And that is why people very easily put Christian cloak on traditional religious beliefs and think we are being Christian. It's I'll a, tell you a, an a, example. A, prof a professor said it that um, if you dig deep into the skin of the Africa, you'll find a traditional religionist. I'll give you a simple example. The God revealed in Jesus Christ yes. is a God who is love. Love. Basically, Compassion, love. forgiveness. And forgives. And he wants the repentance of the sinner, not his death. Mm -hmm. That is why he sent his own son to die in place of the sinner. And to make Christians correspond to this love, he gives, sent the Holy Spirit who reveals to all the fullness of the truth, helps us to understand the fullness of the truth and to live according to this revelation. What shows, and this, what shows God's love, St. Paul says, is that while we were yet sinners, he sent his son. And, and this spirit is called the spirit of love. Every Catholic invokes this love on himself several times a day when he says, Come, Holy, Holy Spirit, Spirit, and fill, fill the hearts, hearts of, of the faithful, faithful and enkindle in them the fire of, your, of love. your love. But incidentally, that same Holy Spirit is being used like a Madioha in a, of our traditional religion. Fire, when we fire, say Holy fire. Ghost, fire. Mm -hmm. It's not the fire of love that we mean this time, but the destructive fire of the traditional, of the traditional religion. So the, mental, the words are Christian. But the mentality is traditional. The framework, the framework behind the words, is traditional religion. religion. So this is that is one aspect of the culture that is problematic for many Christians. Mm. Another aspect of our culture that is problematic with uh, uh, for Christians is even social relations and interactions. Our concept of family, our concept of fatherhood, is exclusive. Our own, our own. Our own is exclusive. And we have not moved beyond our acceptance of members of our family. That is why we talk of ethnicism, even within the church framework. We have not moved beyond that to accepting our common fatherhood in or through Christ, our common fatherhood in God the Father. And that is why you still find people who would say brothers and sisters in the church, but would not regard the person from the next village as, a as his brother or a sister. So the words, as you say, the words, the are, words Christian, are Christian, but, but the, the mentality, mentality is still traditional religion wow. and cultural. And it's until we, first of all, we have to be aware of that. We have to be aware of that and think of what we can do to hmm. combat this. And, and, and uh, to continue your discussion, now, how if, that relates with... If we relate it to what is happening now with regard to 
Well, you use the expression Pentecostalism. You know, once an ism enters into a thing, it changes. So the Pentecostalism, when we use that expression, we know what it's referred to. It is not just the, the presence of the Spirit in the church, but an exaggerated interpretation of the charisms given by the Spirit. An exaggerated... Isolated also. Mm -hmm. Isolated. Uh, for viewers, the bishop calls it exaggerated expression. Interpretation. Interpretation of, of the, the charisms, charisms, the gifts of the Spirit. Of the spirit. Mm -hmm. So uh, that is what ha is happening. And uh, why is that attractive to our people. And I'll tell you why. what I think is the cause. You know, we say a prayer for Nigeria in distress. Yes. Our country is in a state of social distress. And many people are no longer able to take care of the common things they should be able to take care of if the system was Works. working. Mm -hmm. And so, Instead of using our religious faith and convictions to transform the system and remove the cause for our misery, which okay. is sin, mm -hmm. some have decided to provide palliatives for the suffering people. Mm -hmm. Some have decided to provide immediate solutions of the symptoms and not attacking the cause. Mm -hmm. And it's not new in history. It's not new because any time that religion concentrates on solving people's problems, intelligent thinkers people's will material begin problems. problems. Intelligent people will begin to tell you that religion is on its way to extinction. That's, is that what Karl Marx meant? That was what Karl Marx meant when he said such a religion would eventually die when people can take care of their problems through natural human means. They will not need any God to take care of their problems. Now, because of this social discontent in which we find ourselves, many people propose immediate solutions in form of miracles. And this sounds attractive. And again, they combine that, here is a cultural issue, they combine that with a mentality, a situation, a relationship with God that is similar to the relationship with the deities in our traditional religions, mm -hmm. where we commanded the gods to say what we wanted them this, to this, say. This is, our, our viewers will be interested in this. Um, I have, in recent times, looked critically at some of the prayers that are going around uh, on your cell phone when you receive a call or when you make a call, you hear, you know, um, this year you will be a millionaire. This year I decree that you will succeed in all you are doing. And I'm saying, is this a prayer? Even before that, even before that, there is a certain pragmatism in our traditional religion. Yes. Because it does not have <coughs> fixed doctrines. So you are loyal to a particular divinity that suits your own personal needs. Yes. And anybody can go to any land, borrow a divinity, institute a shrine for it, begin to worship it, and it begins to work. Wait, in my so place, in my, in my place they, they talk about going to steal a divinity. 
and then you bring it to your place and then you begin to worship it. And then in my place they say that when a particular divinity is no longer effective, its wooden symbols serve as firewood. You, you just put it, use it as firewood. firewood. Now, because of that, we think that God is just our bellboy whom we call, we command, we send here and he does this and without even reference to the fact that he told us in his son what is to be our mode of relationship with him. With him. So I think if you put all these things together, you find, first of all, a people depressed. It is natural for a depressed person or a person who has difficulty to, to, turn, seek to, grab to turn to God. To turn to oh, God, okay. that is natural. Yes. Mm -hmm. But we turn to God not in order that he may substitute for our human activity, but in order that he may give us knowledge to know how to solve the problem, yes. the moral strength to mm -hmm. do what he has told us to do. I'll give an example. In the book of Exodus, when the Israelites were running and the Egyptians were, were catching, catching on, on them, Moses got jittery yes. and turned to God in prayer. What did God answer? Why are you crying to Look, me? You have Tell the people to move. Yes. Tell the people to, to move. move. We very often think that God will take our place in solving the problems very often. So that we, we do create. nothing. So that we create. Forgetting that having been created in the image and likeness of God, he communicates with us because he knows we understand his message. Mm -hmm. And if we understand his message, we are supposed to act appropriately. So that is why Christ says he is the truth, the way, and the life. And the life. So it's we, 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 we have to realize that there is a radical difference between our traditional religion and hmm. Christianity. The novelty of Christianity for most Christians lies only in the availability of miracles. Wow. So, so honoring God as God, doing his will, which is what Jesus taught us, submitting to him, forgiving our neighbor so that we may be worthy of him, having purity of heart, mellowness of spirit, calmness of soul, all that one is not important for a lot of our people. No, it's not important because people often forget that Christ was a revolutionary of a sort. He put the social values of his time upside down. And all lovers of ancient religions would find relationship with Christ problematic. A Renaissance, I think, author, 15th century author, the Italian author, Machiavelli, mm -hmm. Niccolò Machiavelli, whom people remember more for his political thoughts, once said that he preferred the Roman religion to the Christian religion. Why? Because the Roman religion exalted raw use of power, power. courage, brutality, <clears throat> all these things that would emphasize force. And Christianity would preach meekness, humility, forgiveness, patience. And that, unfortunately, is our lot right now.
The values Christianity proposes are not yet accepted as values by our people. Hmm. Poverty in spirit. Yes. Meekness of heart. Mm -hmm. Purity. So you mean when our people read in the Beatitudes, blessed are the meek and the humble, for they shall inherit the earth. Our people say nonsense. We even find it difficult to translate in some of our languages. Because the language framework because doesn't the have concepts it. are not there. People are recognized. I have not seen a man given a title in Igbo traditional context, for instance, for his humility. No, no. And very often, not even for his charity. Because when we think of Obuehi, for instance, with the exception of warriors who defended their communities, people were honored for the things they did for themselves. How Nothing. many wives they had, how yes. many yams they, bands they had, and how, many, how large their farms were. We never heard of how many people really they motivated, they, they, they empowered. Yes. It was just about what they did for themselves to distinguish themselves within the society. You know, I used to talk about the mentality of, I pass my neighbor. But that is true. Yes. And those things were encouraged. Well, it promoted some sort of healthy competition. competition. I agree. But that is not the Christian way. That is not the mm. Christian way. Because Christ said, if you want really to shine out, you serve. Yeah. You give yourself for the other. No greater love can one have for than his friends to lay down than his to life. lay down for his, his life for others. And so that's total subjection. Sign of contradiction. Total subjection. As a matter of fact, in many of our languages, we have difficulty even in finding a word that will represent Christian love. Hmm. Again, I repeat, it's not unique to our, our culture because Christ's message was new. It's new to every culture. But we must do a paradigm shift. We must change our mentality. And it has to be a constant effort through formation, hmm. faith formation, which is no longer taking place in our now, church. How do we begin to do formation for uh, appreciation of Christian values? If we don't even know that the kind of values that are popularized today are far away from gospel values. Because my own challenge is that a lot of pastoral agents, those that you rely upon to uh, spread the true Christian values that you are talking about, a lot of pastoral agents are caught up in this uh, practice of outward Christianity, but deep inside, beneath the skin level, is African traditional religion. So how do we go about that? Well, you see, Christ always talked about the narrow door, about the narrow gate. And he, is, he did talk about the narrow gate. And he did talk about that when he was asked the question whether there would be many who would be saved. I think we are too bothered about numbers. About numbers, OK. And because we are bothered about numbers, we are worried that we are losing our faithful to other religious movements. And the only reaction we have is to, to imitate them. And very often, our imitation is shabby. We don't and even imitate well. <laughs> I, tell, I tell people, if we allow these new religious movements to pull us to their home ground, we can't match them. No, of course. Because it's their home ground. 
we have to remain in our own home ground. And what is that home ground? A balance between various aspects of our faith and practice. You have the word of God. Sure. You have the sacraments. sacraments. You have the charisms which include the hierarchy of the church. Apostle. I'm not saying this because I'm a bishop now, but because I realize, I believe, that the gift of the apostles is named, that gift is named in the, high, in the chain of gifts. Mm -hmm. Talk of spirit. apostles, talk of prophets, and talk of teachers. teachers. And so many others. Before now, at the end, talk of speaking in tongues. So, these, we, when we realize, there is a, needs to be a balance between these aspects. And uh, instead of just running away from what we inherited to imitate those others, without really pronouncing any moral judgment on other movements, I would say at least not, let us appreciate who we are, our identity as Catholics, and insist we will not be popular. Many of us are too taken up by the desire to be popular, mm -hmm. and we want to have large congregations, also because it is lucrative to have oh, large it, congregations. Oh, it brings a lot of money. And... Uh, uh, because of that, we may not care about that faith formation. Now, if I knew exactly how we would pursue that faith formation within the context today, I wouldn't have all the commissions I have in my diocese. It's a question of trial and error. We try different methods. If you call our faithful for instructions, they don't turn up. But they turn up in large numbers and spend hours and nights in this type of shouting assemblies where nobody's listening but everybody's talking and shouting. And if you want them to come within a certain way you instruct and they ask questions and you try to answer, there is no patience for such things. But mm. that's the only way. And those few who respond will eventually act as the leaven of the society, as the light of the earth and the salt of the world. I mean, using this, using these symbols you have just mentioned, the leaven, the salt, and the, the light. light. It occurs to me that, like you said, our people are easily overtaken by uh, the desire to have the crowds. Uh, what often happens is that there are many Catholics that are really troubled by the fact that, oh, Catholic Church is losing members, losing members. And I have said to some people that, you know, when Jesus Christ says you are the salt of the earth, usually salt is some small quantity that sweetens the food. Salt is not the whole, it's not the whole content of the, of the dish. Uh, you are the living. It's just a tiny amount that leavens the dough. It's not the whole thing. So it is for us to recognize, and I'm happy you brought it out, to recognize that uh, if you are on the right, truth itself, truth defends itself. Now, we forget that truth is not always with the majority. Correct. Uh, people like to quote for you, the voice of the people is the voice of God. But they forget it's a Roman proverb. Vox Populi Vox, Vox Dei. Day. Because the gods of the Romans were man-made gods. So men told the gods what, what to, to say. Do. But Christ told us the voice of the people no. is not the voice of, the go of God. Christ was alone. When, not only that, when he asked Peter, the apostles, who do the people say yeah, I am? And the people spoke, 
That was not the, who the, he was. The, the, the voice of the people didn't make. And when yeah. Peter said, "You are the Christ," he said, "This was not told you by men." It's the voice of God, and Peter was minority. Peter was minority. On that note, and not we'll, only we'll, we'll take a break. We'll take a break and come back because this is very interesting. Uh, that the voice of the people is not necessarily the voice of God, and often it is not the voice of God. The voice of the minority. The one single prophetic voice, the one single voice that is calling people to obedience, to love, to forgiveness, may be the voice of God. Thank you. We'll take a break, and when we come back, we continue, uh, we'll get back. Welcome back. Uh, we have been at Reflections discussing with my guest, uh, Bishop uh, Godfrey Honor, and uh, he has helped us to analyze this challenge we are having of um, a new wave of Christianity uh, that is sweeping through our country. Uh, he has actually helped us to analyze that it is not so new uh, that in the early church, maybe when the early European church, uh, North African church was 100 or 200 years old, they had all kinds of challenges, schisms for which councils were held to resolve some of these. And before we took a break, he talked about the crowd. Human beings are always attracted to where large crowds are gathered. But a lot of uh, wise people have said that the phenomenon of mega churches, we need to be careful because mega churches don't last. All kinds of um, waves of, of, of doctrine will arise and then disappear. And you discover that truth um, stands the test of time. You discover that our church has stood for 2000 years because we are standing on certain structures administrative structures, doctrinal structures, moral structures. But you see, the new wave of Christianity with all this, ma this mass movement in Christianity, there are little or no structures. And if that is where our people are going because it is attractive, then there is a great danger. My Lord, would you want to comment further on this whole issue of mass Christianity as a mass movement? Sure, it's again, if we get back to the life of Christ, large crowds followed him. Yeah. And each time large crowds followed him, what did he do first? He taught them. He taught them. People think that once large crowds followed him, he would immediately solve their problems. You remember in theology, we are thought that the priests, that means all the levels of the priesthood, have three ministries of teaching, teaching, sanctification, and governing or leading. Yes. And I always say that it's not by accident that teaching is named first. Mm -hmm. Because if you have to, you first have to announce to the people the God revealed in Jesus Christ. Yeah. You have to bring to their knowledge this God. If they don't know God, you can't sanctify them, and you can't lead them. And Christ f taught them. But the crowds followed him for the other attractions, and he told them that. He they reminded not, them, yes, you are you following are me because you have eaten bread. But because of the bread, you have eaten. Which were signs, but you have failed to catch the signs. And by the time, one of the hardest truths of his teaching was told. That truth was told 
they began to go away. Unless you eat my body and drink my blood, you will not have life in you. They left. John chapter 6 verse 54. And he asked, he turned, he didn't beg them. Well, I only mean he turned and turned, he turned and looked Don't at the, the disciples, disciples, the few remaining. What are you waiting for? Won't you go away? You know, I will you know, tell I, you a story. I, I have just to um, I will to tell a short emphasize what you are saying. You will tell your story. This is one of my most favorite passages you have referred to, John chapter six, verse fifty-four to sixty-nine, and I actually composed a song which I want to uh, share with my viewers on this. When Jesus turned and called, looked at the disciples and says. What about you? Will you go away too? Peter said, To whom shall we go? To whom shall we go? To whom shall we go? You have the word of life. To whom shall we go? We believe, yes, we know. You are the Son of God. You see, and I tell people, Whenever we confront this reading, whenever we are confronted by this reading in, in liturgy, I tell people that that's not the answer of somebody who, who is very comfortable. That's the answer of somebody who knows that there are challenges, but where else do we go? We have recognized that you have the message. So even though it is not attractive, even though others have gone away, we will stay put. Thank you. I think in the church, Catholic church today, we must have the courage of letting those who want to leave go. Hmm. Oh yes. Letting those who letting want to leave. those who want to leave go. As Jesus let them go. Provided you continue in love to reach out to them and tell them the truth. Because there is this story about a clandestine church in the Soviet Union yes. when it was persecuting Christianity. And a community of believers had just gathered and the priest was about to start the mass and the church were, the suddenly the doors were suddenly flung open by an mm -hmm. armed soldier the soldier walked right onto the altar cocked his gun pointed at the congregation and said if you don't believe in jesus christ you have one minute to save your life and there was the people scampered for life and many of them left only a few people with the priests remained in the church. The soldier walked back to the door, shot the door firmly, came back to the altar, put, put aside his gun, gun, and told the priest, Father, you can now start the Mass. This I'm a Catholic people. myself. We are better without those. Wow. Powerful story. So if people, if you love, there's this statement, if you love anything, you let it free. If it comes back to you, it is yours. If it doesn't, it never was. No, it never was. We have to have the courage to let those who want to go leave. We cannot keep Catholics at all costs by feeding them with false doctrine hmm. just to keep the congregation large. large. Otherwise, we may be leading people astray. We may be leading a large congregation, but leading them to where? So Christ, this is, this is quite serious. Christ was more interested in telling the people the truth with charity, certainly, 
with charity. But we cannot sacrifice the truth of the gospel. The, the, this is very important, viewers. Um, and particularly the, the passage that he mentioned, the most critical element of Jesus' teaching that brought a lot of opposition and then people began to go away, even after they had eaten bread, after he had multiplied loaves, because it is the same chapter 6 of John's gospel, where from verse 1 to 13, he had multiplied five loaves and two fishes for them to eat. The same crowd, when he now began to say, look, don't look for me for bread uh, alone, for material bread. Actually, I am the living bread. If you eat me, and they began to say, wait a minute, what is this man talking about? And even though they had enjoyed the bread, the physical bread they ate, they went away one by one. And, and we are told, scripture says, Jesus was left only with his disciples whom he was ready to lose. And that is very instructive for all of us who think that if we don't have the crowds, then it means God, God is not with us. If we have the crowds, that is when God is with us. Uh, Bishop is saying, if you have done your best and people want to leave, and you have acted according to what you know, according to the mind of Christ and according to the mind of the church, and people want to leave, let them leave. And he was ready to lose even the twelfth. When Peter was trying to object to his suffering. He said, get behind me, Satan. He was prepared to leave even Peter hmm. when it came to disrupting the program of the cross. Wow. And with regard also to the other thing we raised in the beginning about people chasing after prophets, especially those who promise miracles, we should never forget that all those who followed Jesus wanted the miracles. But how many of them remained? The greatest miracle that Jesus worked while he was on earth was raising Lazarus from the dead. Yes. We don't hear Lazarus doing anything again after being raised from the dead. That was the end. But Mary, his sister, whose sins were forgiven, stuck to him. Yes. Peter, who was forgiven, stuck, stuck, to, stuck him. to him. Paul, who was forgiven even much later, stuck. gave his life for him. Yes. People, you remember the story of the people who were cured of their leprosy? Yes. And as one who came, one came back, he said, your faith has saved, has saved you. It's not a miracle, it's faith. Your faith has saved you. Many received the miracle. Many were cured, but only one was saved. Hmm. Those who received the miracles were in the crowds, maybe shouting, crucify him. That's a powerful teaching. Please let me interrupt you and, and, and uh, explain a little that for our viewers that, hey, our people get carried away by wonder. You know, wonder, wonder. Uh, wonder works. And there is a belief among our people that if somebody is walking wonders, any kind of wonders, even the magician, they believe that it is from God. They believe that he is speaking for God. They believe that if God were not with him, how is it that he's doing these wonders? And I will answer you. God answers the prayers of the people. Correct. If people gather in the house of a rogue and pray to God, believing he will answer them, will God not answer his children because they gathered in the house of a rogue? He will answer. He will answer them. So, get me right. I want our viewers to get me right. God works miracles and he intervenes constantly on the life, in the life of his people when they are in need and they pray to him. Okay. When we are disposed to receive his intervention yes. constantly by the 
miracles are supposed to be invitations to a more intimate relationship with him. We don't get stuck with the miracle. We don't get stuck with the miracle. And less still, stuck with the person whose preaching or whose house or whose environment occasioned the miracle. Because we have now, what we have now is no longer following Jesus. It is following worship, following the people whom everybody now calls daddy, 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 oh, daddy. Man of God, man of God. You know, and, and, and then I say, you know, this is where we now have situation, the abuse, whereby miracles are advertised. Rather than come and know about Jesus and be saved, is come and get your miracle. So if somebody leaves her house because she is going to get her miracle, she's not been invited to come and find salvation in Christ and find forgiveness in Christ. So the person is not going to ask for forgiveness. The person is living in sin, deep in sin, and is not asking God for forgiveness. And we commit more at the, at the, at the venue of the miracle because we'll be sending Holy Ghost fire to his enemy, and that is sin. Of course. It is sin in two counts, on two counts. Sacrilege. One, sacrilege, blasphemy, using God's name in vain, yes. and sinning against the Holy Spirit even. Yes. Secondly, bearing deep-seated hatred against your brother and going into the presence of God and going into the presence of God. So a, the, the craze after miracles has become really problematic. And what I tell people is that at some point when people can go to the hospital and find good cure. hospitals and get cured, and when people can have financial institutions that will help them out of their financial problems, or they can get an, a system that gives them jobs, then they will be less after the God of miracles, mm -hmm. and probably also less after the religion of miracles. But in no time in history will human beings grow beyond the need for love, yes. the need for forgiveness, yes. the need for justice. The need to find meaning in the life. The need for meaning in life. And these are the things really that Christ came to give. Yeah. So there is a kind of religion that we will better do without. There is a kind of practice of religion that um, uh, Karl Marx was referring to, opium of the people. There is a kind of practice of religion which is really an abuse. Just as you have the abuse from, from, from uh, terrorists, uh, Islamic fundamentalists, we do have our own abuses within Christianity. Those abuses or that kind of practice of religion, we, we would better do without them. But what you are saying is that there is the practice of authentic religion that humanity will always need. need. Humanity always. will never be able to do without the kind of religion that inspired Francis of Assisi, the kind of religion that inspired John Paul II, that inspired Mother Teresa, the kind of religion even that inspired people like Martin Luther King Jr. Even to go outside Christianity, the kind of religion that inspired Mahatma Gandhi, that kind of religion people will always need. And will always find attractive. If you compare the names you used, you, you, people you yes, mentioned yes. now, to some of the wonderful men and women of God today, you see the difference. The difference is clear. See the difference. The difference and is clear. So, uh, that type of religion will always be attractive and mm -hmm. people will always need it. And uh, 
I tell people also that is the type of religion that will eventually survive. Yeah. Yeah. One Anglican bishop, I have forgotten his exact name, once said that any b God who can die should be killed. And I will then add to that any religion that can die will die, will die. eventually. But having said that, since the human being has a spiritual dimension that constantly seeks God, even when he's not aware of it, mm -hmm. the human being remains a religious being, yes. even when he professes no religion at all. Oh, he's still religious, yes. Still a religious being. That is why that religion that draws people's attention to that aspect of divinity that is most sublime, mm -hmm. like love, mm -hmm forgiveness, mercy, yes. that religion will always be relevant to any society. All appearances to the contrary notwithstanding, the religion that emphasizes, that teaches, that witnesses to those attributes of God, love, forgiveness, compassion, that kind of religion not only will survive, but all appearances to the contrary notwithstanding, will triumph. I mean, I, I will end this by uh, reminding you of those attributes in Jesus' central teaching. I used to say that the summary of the summaries of uh, Jesus' message is found in the Beatitudes, Matthew chapter 5, verse 3 to 12, that Jesus sat down and the crowds gathered around him and he opened his mouth and he began to teach them, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn. Nobody today wants to mourn. But he says, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, the humble, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, he says, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure of heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you, he says, when men abuse you and persecute you and speak all kinds of calumny against you on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward will be great in heaven. This, on this note, we would like to bring this discussion to an end, but I would uh, ask uh, Bishop Honor to give us a last uh, word on this. Well, the last word I could say, departing from the last of the Beatitudes, is that I get afraid when people speak only good. Hmm. You get afraid when people speak oh, only yes. good? Because if I become so popular as a preacher of God, Christ's good news, I place myself against that, those Beatitudes, especially the last one. It doesn't one. align. And the Luke conversion of it says, woe to you when men praise you, because that was how they praised the false prophets. Their fathers praised the false prophets. Wow. So rather than look for cheap popularity, Stick we should to the concentrate on the gospel of Christ. On that note, we shall end this uh, reflection. So rather than look for cheap popularity, and rather than seek cheap popularity, in terms of the people, stick to the gospel. Look at the gospel and see the central teaching of Jesus. And this is available to us. In Christ Jesus God, the Almighty God, has revealed himself. In Hebrews uh, 1, 1 to 2, at various times, all kinds of prophets and soothsayers had come, but in his Son, he has revealed himself. God bless you. 
and uh, we'll see you again at Reflections. Uh, my Lord Bishop uh, Godfrey Honor, thank you for being with us today. Thank you very much. And thank we you. hope this will lead people to conversion because the end product of our journey is it's conversion of hearts. Thank you and God bless you all.